Good morning, everybody. You should have been welcomed like six times by now, which is awesome, but I'm going to do it again. Good morning, Vintage. It's so good to see everybody. Uh, I got my coffee, actually tea with me today, because I'm having a heck of a time catching my breath, so if my wife throws me my inhaler, don't worry, we'll continue on. Uh, so we're, we're in Advent, and we're going through anthems of Advent. And our, this week our anthem is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and the theme is love. And this is the best Christmas hymn ever written. Like, I'm just going to state facts here. That's all I'm doing this morning. We have facts. So my favorite lines from this one are, Oh, come the branch of Jesse's tree. Free them from Satan's tyranny. That trust your mighty power to save and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. I love this song, and I love talking about God's love. Uh, we're going to read from John 1, and we're going we're gonna to read a chunk of scripture this morning. Uh, John 1, verses 1 through 18. This is the prologue section of John. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing that was created had been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be called children of God to those who believed in his name. Not who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up his residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and was exclaiming, this is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me has surpassed me because he has existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. The word of the Lord. I, I want to share something. We're going to get into this, but I want to share something first that was life-changing to me. Sometimes when we think about things that are life-changing, it can be monumental events in our life, like uh, children being born, grandchildren being born, graduating from high school or college, maybe buying a house or paying off a house. Uh, sometimes it's that you do something that you thought was beyond you, and you did it, and you overcame, and you conquered, and that's good. Those are all life-changing things. Sometimes things happen to us that are life-changing. Like we talked about this morning, and pray for our dear family who's suffering. We're going through something that's life-changing. Something that's life-changing is, is an event, a situation, or an idea that fundamentally changes the way you perceive and operate in the world around you. It, it's, it's something that happens to you, and it changes the way you think at a very base level. Everything now becomes filtered through this life-changing event and the way you now perceive things. And like I said, it can be an idea. An idea is a dangerous thing because an idea just kind of sits in your head and just kind of eats away at you, always, always informing you, always uh, changing the way you're thinking about things, just sitting there working all the time. 
I, I want to introduce you to an idea that was life-changing to me. And it's this idea that the, the medium is the message. Are there any communication experts in here? You know what I'm talking about? The, the medium is the message. This comes from um, a communications uh, philosopher named Marshall McLaren back in 1965. Um, and he had this idea that, that the medium is the message. So, like, does anybody have a TV in their living room? You're all fine. You have a TV in your living room. The only person I know who doesn't is my sister-in-law, and that's only because her, like, three-year-old broke the TV, and she was like, forget it. But if you have a TV in your living room, believe it or not, you understand that the medium is the message. Your living room is generally designed around the television. You put the outlets in your house are set up in a specific way so that you can put a TV here, and then we're going to put the couch here, we're going to put the love seat here, so everything faces the television, right? Because the, the message of television is, I'm important, and I am center, and I, I feed you information. Different things have, different mediums have different messages that they communicate. If you text somebody, texting, short message service, SMS, is a medium of communication. You use it a certain way to communicate certain things. It's different than a phone call. If I just picked up the phone and called Walt and was like, hey, click, that'd be weird. I mean, not today, it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Walt. But you don't use it that way. Like if your boss sent you a text and was like, hey, you're fired, you'd be like, have some decency, man. Give me a call at least. Right? Like we, we use different mediums of communication for different purposes. We understand that. But when I really looked into this and started to understand that, that the medium has and is a message that is separate from the content that comes from that, it started to change the way I read the Bible. And here's why. Before the incarnation, what we just read in John chapter 1, we had these ideas or people had these ideas about God and some still do, right? Um, it, it was this idea that, that God exists and the Bible in the Old Testament gives him these anthropomorphic terms, right? Like he, he sits on his throne, right? His, his wings are a refuge for us. His hands are strong to, enough to hold us. But we understand that God is not in heaven sitting on a throne because Jesus tells us he's spirit. So, but we use these words to try to communicate something about God. But we understand that, that he's not a human being. Muslims believe that, that Jesus doesn't, or that God doesn't beget or is not begotten. That means he doesn't have kids. So a lot of people believe, believe in what's called dualism, that there's a spiritual and there's a physical, but these two things are not the same. They're very different things, and they can't be joined. But in the New Testament, in John, we have something very, very different. We have God stepping into humanity. And becoming a human being. He, he's not a type of human. He's not a little human. He's not like a human, but really spiritual. He's not pseudo-human. He becomes a human being, just like you and me. That's the incarnation, is that God steps down from his throne. Jesus comes and takes on human flesh and reveals the Father to us. That's the incarnation. It changes everything. The Bible says in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus is the exact expression of the invisible God. Colossians 1.7 says he is the image 
of God. And here in John, it says that Jesus reveals the Father to us. Jesus introduces the Father and says, I've come to reveal everything you need to know about God. We could look at that and say that Jesus is the medium of God. And if the medium is the message, then what is God trying to say to us? Like I said, it's different from content. Content comes from a medium, but it's, it's not the message itself. Content can be powerful. Just from these first couple of verses in John, I'm going to give you 11 things we can pull out as content. Uh, all things were created through him. He has life that he gives light to people. He, or he has the life that gives light to people. He gives light and light to people. The world we live in was created by him. He alone gives us the right to be called children of God. He has glory that is observable to us mere mortals. He is the only one from the Father. He surpasses even the best of us. His, we receive fullness from his grace. Grace and truth come through him. This is just the content that we get from Jesus. This isn't even the full message. These are just the things that exist because Jesus exists. The message that God communicates to us through Emmanuel is God with us. That in Jesus, we know that you are wanted and loved. You are forgiven. Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. The message of the incarnation is that God is now joined to humanity forever. The message, if I could sum it up, is I am with you. That's the message of God. That's the message of the incarnation. That's the message of Advent. God is saying, I am with you. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended with his body. He didn't raise from the grave and then decide, okay, now we're separating these two things again because I'm tired of cutting my toenails. He stayed a human being, and he ascends to heaven as a human being, always interceding for us because he understands what it means to be human. He felt tiredness. He felt hunger. He felt joy. He felt pain. He felt thirst. He felt what it's like to be rejected and despised by people. All to deliver the message, Emmanuel, God is with us. That's the message from God. I think there's at least three things we do with this message. First, we understand that we're not alone. Sometimes we feel like we're alone and on our own and nobody gets us. But the incarnation Emmanuel tells us a different story. It tells us that we're not alone and so much that we're not alone that God has joined himself to humanity forever to prove that we are not alone. When we feel weak, tired, sad, disgruntled, whatever it is, we can remember that we are not alone. God has come to be with us. He is now with us and that we are forever connected to the God who went the distance to love us. No matter what's going on, we can remember, I am not alone. Emmanuel, God is with me. Second, we can know that we're wanted. When we remember the incarnation, we can remember that we are wanted. 
Maybe you've been left by others, rejected by family, um, kind of always cast out on the side, feeling like you're secondary, anything like that. Like with, with the, it, the, the incarnation changes all that and says, no, 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 you are not secondary to me. God says you are wanted, you are mine, I care for you. Growing up, I did not know my real father. I still don't. I know he died, but that's all I know. But this always left me wanting and like questioning. Like, why was I not good enough? Like, I wasn't even born. How, how did I do something so bad that you wouldn't want me even before I came into the world? And it affected all of my relationships. Now, I have a stepfather who loves me, and I love him. And, you know, growing up, I was a horrible teenager. Uh, but, you know, we had a tumultuous relationship, but we've got a great relationship now, and we get along fine and swell, and that's great. Um, I, I, I've got a lovely bride who I love dearly, who loves me. I've got kids. I've got friends and family that I love. Like, I had all these things, right? But I still always had this nagging thing of, am I really wanted? Like, eventually, everybody's going to leave me. That's the way it works. And I always had that feeling until Emmanuel, God is with me. Because he told me, no, I want you. I don't, you don't just get in because I let everybody else in. I want you. You are the object of my affection. The incarnation says we are always wanted by God. The third thing I think it tells us is that we are to be like the God who goes and seeks The incarnation was not a passive event. It was a full-scale attack on hell. The incarnation is the most brazen thing imaginable. God invaded the world and said, I'm taking back what's mine and everything else off to the side. Like, that's what Jesus is doing. He doesn't come and he's not floating around on clouds. Jesus came and in his own words, he says, no, first you come and you bind the strong man and then you ransack his house. He was talking about the devil. He was talking about the forces of hell. Jesus came to destroy all of those things and then told us, his children, ransack the house. Go in, take it all. That's Jesus. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. And then he says something ridiculous. Jesus says, now go and do likewise. I came to prove, Emmanuel, God is with you. Now, you you are my child. Don't ask. I, I love it. It served its purpose. WWJD. Right? It served, it served its purpose. It got people thinking. But I think a better question is, what did Jesus do? Not what would he do. What did he do? We know what Jesus did. Jesus went the full distance to love and show that God was willing to comfort those who were his enemies. It has been said a few times, the not yet Christian. Those who are on the outside, those who don't feel like they belong, those who feel alone and don't feel like they're wanted. Jesus came to to them as well and said, I am with you. And he tells us to go and do the same. My day yesterday got all thrown apart. I had a nice relaxing day planned. 
And I ended up standing in line for three hours in the morning, which ruined everything I had subsequent after that. It was no fun. Um, I'm standing in line. I had a 10 o'clock appointment. supposed to be done at 11.15. I didn't get done until 1 o'clock. So annoyed. For a while, I was annoyed. But in this line that went like this, like I'm standing here, and then I'm standing here. I've got another 15 minutes of standing in this spot. So anyway, I got these two people standing behind me, and there's a bunch of us standing there. What I'm doing wasn't important. Um, but the, So there's three of us, and we just start talking about things. Uh, one, because the guy behind me for the first, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes of us standing in line kept talking. So I finally just gave up and started talking to him. <laughs> and then so Brian and I were talking about whatever. Uh, really nice guy, um, and then Julie joins in the conversation, and she's talking, and not my Julie, a different Julie. Uh, so the three of us, we've got nothing else to do for now, like, I don't know, is that like two hours at that point? Still nothing else to do, because we have no idea how long we're going to be standing in this line. Apparently, until Jesus comes back. <laughs> so we're standing there, we're standing there, we're standing there, and it, hit, it hits me. Like, God just like, bing! He goes, these people aren't going anywhere. And I was like, well, shucks. <laughs> I have a captive audience. <laughs> okay, then. So I want it to be natural, right? I don't want to just be like, so, you know Jesus? Because I do. Try to be cool about this. i got a rep to protect. Uh, not really. Um, so, but anyway, what I realized in that moment was I've got these people until we get to the end of the line. And the end of the line, by the way, moved us to another line. It was bizarre. But anyway, it's just us. And we're talking about whatever. And I'm just letting them talk about whatever. And I'm actively caring about what they're talking about because it's important to them. So Julie loves to go to car shows with her husband. They do that. Brian, well, Brian loves to talk. Um, so we talked. But, like, I want to talk to them about what's important to them. Not because I'm waiting for my turn to talk, but because God cares about them. So if I'm supposed to demonstrate and be like the God who loves me and listens to me ramble on about things that I'm sure he might not care about, I can do the same for others. And so I just listen and we talk. And then when the opportunity arises, I say, hey, uh, if you don't have plans for Christmas, you're more than welcome to join us at Vintage. And so Julie says, they usually do car shows on the weekend. Um, but Brian, he's new to the area, just moved from Virginia. He's looking for a church, so he's going to try to join us. But my thought was this, is, is, is I've got their attention. They're not going anywhere. Why not invite them into a relationship with God? Why not invite them into a relationship with me? That's what I'm here for. I'm not here for the thing I was there to do. God showed me very clearly, you're here and stuck in this line so that you can be my witness to these people. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter that I was waiting in line for another hour and a half. That had nothing to do with anything. I was now there to be Jesus to Julie and Brian. And that made all the difference. My legs still hurt. I still felt like I was going to throw up. Because you just stand there for three hours, you start to feel a little nauseous. But that's the thing, is, is, is the incarnation tells us that we are to be like Jesus. That we are to be like the God who is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Right? And, and here's the thing. So Julie mentioned 
again, not my Julie, different Julie, um, that they do car shows on the weekend. That's their thing. And so that made me realize she thinks church is just a thing people do on the weekend. Like, this is just something we, we got nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. It's not like if any of us want to sleep in or anything, right? No, no, no. It's just something people do. And then I was getting coffee yesterday afternoon, and I was listening to the kids behind the counter, these two, these two guys, and sweet boys. You know you're getting old when you start referring to teenagers as, they're sweet boys. Uh, they're talking about church, and they're talking about Christianity. And I don't know who one of the kids is talking about. Maybe his girlfriend, his mom. I don't know. But she thinks of, of Christians as kind of like just this culture thing. We all sit around in our plaid shirts, and I didn't do this on purpose today. Uh, but we all sit around in our plaid shirts with matching outfits on Sunday mornings and get together and hang out. That's what she thinks church is. And, and Julie has this same idea, but that's not what it is. It is Emmanuel, God with us. He is a God who left his throne to come to us. So that tells me we do the same thing. I don't say, hey, Carl, I'm with you. I I don't stand from my stage. I I get down and I get dirty and I get with everybody else. And we come over and we go, I'm with you, Carl. No matter what, I got you. We're together. That's what Jesus does. He leaves his throne He leaves his spotlight to get dirty and dingy and nasty. Not that you're nasty. You're awesome. It's just that sermon illustration. It's nothing personal. But that's what Jesus does is he makes it difficult on himself instead of saying, hey, Carl, come to me. That's what Jesus does is he leaves his place and that's what he tells us to do because of love, because love is his motivation. Love is what motivates God to do that. Love is what should motivate us to do it. It's not a love we can earn. It's not a love we deserve. It's a love he gives because that's who he is. When he looks at us, when he looks at, when he looks at you, he says, you are my child. When my daughter was born. It was the most magical event of my life. I watched my daughter being born. Sorry, Grace. <laughs> and I look at this helpless thing, this helpless little girl, and instantly I knew I would die for you. Like this feeling inside of me just woke up that I did not know could exist. I would die for you. Why? Because love seeks the benefit of the recipient without thought for themselves. In that way, God's love is reckless. He doesn't care what it costs him. He doesn't care how it affects him. He says, I don't care. I'm going after my people. I will throw everything aside because I love them so much. His love is unending and powerful. And all he says is, is, I'm with you. Now go be with them. John 1, and I'm closing here, uh, says that in Christ God has taken on human flesh to dwell with us. And that Jesus has permanently bound himself forever to humanity. And in heaven he is now flesh. And because of this, he can and does sympathize with our weaknesses. 
So when we can call on Emmanuel, like I said, like a battle cry, day or night, fight or flight, our Savior will hear us. That is his promise to you, is I am with you. That's why Jesus said, it is better that I go, because then I can send the Spirit. Because Jesus, when he put on human flesh, if he came into our worship service, he would sit right there. And you know where Jesus would be? He'd be right there, because he likes to be right there. But he sends the Spirit. Now Now he's inside Connie, and at the same time, he, he's inside Pat, and at the same time, he's inside Brad. At the same time, the Spirit is filling all of us, constantly with us. And he says, go and do likewise. Oh, come the branch of Jesse's tree. Free them from Satan's tyranny. That trust your mighty power to save and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O vintage. He has come, and that's what we look back. We look back and celebrate that Jesus came. We look back and go, thank you. And we look forward and say, thank you that you're coming back. Thank you, Jesus, for for coming back to us and that someday you will return. But we also use Emmanuel as a battle cry for today. That in the midst of anything else going going on in life, we say, Emmanuel, God is with me. I don't know who's closing us out with worship. I guess Josiah, is he sitting there? Oh, there's Aaron. Hey, buddy. This is important. This is, this is probably the most important thing I could possibly say, is I don't want anybody to miss this. Because we can, we can talk about Emmanuel, God is with me all day long. We can look back at what the Bible says and see that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he had a perfect life and he raised again from the grave three days later. And we can look at that and say, well, isn't that swell? Or we can say, no, I need Emmanuel with me. So for those, if you've never accepted God's free gift of love and forgiveness for your sins, then I want you to know that today Emmanuel can be with you as well. It's not complicated. It doesn't cost you anything. You just say, Jesus, I need you. And for those of us who who know the Messiah, who walk with him, we can still say, Emmanuel, God is with me. Because Jesus isn't one of those things, like those promotions they give out where like, well, once you've got it, you've got it. Now it's the new gift for other people. And No, no, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better because he keeps filling us more and more and more and more. And the more that you see Emmanuel is with you here, the more all of a sudden he's with you here. And then he's with you here. So this morning for response time, I, I, would, I, would, I would ask that, number one, if you've not taken communion in a while, take communion. Because communion is us remembering communion with him. Like we're communing with God. We're remembering that he broke his physical body and shed his physical blood to be with us. And we take that as a moment to, to reflect on that and say, Jesus, 
you're with me. But I would also ask that you just pray. Number one, if, if you need to know who Jesus says, ask him and he will show himself to you. And if you know him, I pray that, as Steve has mentioned, 86% of our neighbors do not. So I'm going to ask that you pray, but not pray that God sends somebody to these people. Pray that he sends you. Pray that he gives you opportunity. That if you're standing in line at Starbucks, if you've got 30 seconds of someone's attention, that's how long it takes to just invite them to church. Like, hey, I don't know if you go to church anywhere, but you're welcome to join me over at Vintage. They're crazy people, but it's cool. That's it. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that that you went the full distance to let us know that you're with us. That, That you laid down everything so that we would know that you are with us. What an amazing message that is for us, Jesus. That Emmanuel, God, is with us. That no matter what we're going through in life, no matter what we feel, you are with us. I pray that as we take some time to respond and worship, that we can continue to lift up those who are hurting this season. Jesus, that you would move our feet to action to go be with those who need you, Lord. Amen. I said we've got communion on both sides, uh, offering as a, as a way to continue to worship. Uh, we'll have prayer teams up. Um, if you need prayer, come for prayer. If the teams are full, more people will come up to pray for you, I promise you. Respond as the Lord leads.